Good morning and welcome to the Call to Virtue podcast. I am your host, Heston Swallow. I just wanted to thank you all for tuning into this first episode, uh, the introductory episode, the introduction about me episode, and uh, giving me your time, honestly, because I know there's a lot of podcasts you can probably be listening to. Uh, There's probably a lot of podcasts you are listening to and not a lot of time. So people are pretty selective about what they what they choose to listen to and what they gain value from. So I hope that this podcast, my podcast, becomes one of those podcasts that you look forward to listening to and uh, gaining insights from and uh, is something that's thought-provoking for you and that leads you to Christ and leads you to a deeper relationship with God and to a more well-rounded worldview and understanding of the the world around us, the beauty and the awe that exists, being able to tap into that and to have that become your normal um, is one of the most beautiful and valuable things that a person can have in this life is to just start to look at everything as a miracle and as a gift. And that is honestly what this life is, is, is it's a miracle and it's a gift. So with that being said, uh, with that little ramble, I wanted to get into Let's see here. I wanted to get into, there's a couple things that I would like to discuss today in this first episode. So uh, let's start off with the verse of the day. I'm using the Bible app on my phone, the version one, uh, because that's the one where I do my plans, my daily devotions. Uh, and it's a good, easy way to start off the day, uh, start the day off uh, dwelling on the word of God. So today's verse is Proverbs 22.6. This is the NIV translation. It says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And this is, you know, this verse is something that I dwell on daily, you know, being I'm a father of two, we have a third on the way in January. And uh, my my oldest is a girl, she's three, my youngest two. And then like I said, we have a a baby coming. Uh, My wife just entered the second trimester. And we're all beyond thrilled because three kids is a full bathtub. And, you know, I think a lot of the boomer generation got this horribly wrong. You know, they kind of let this hyper individualism uh, grip their children. And, you know, when kids were looking to their fathers for guidance about who they were and who they, you know, how to become just like a, you know, a well-rounded functioning person, you know, a lot of times, at least people that I know around me have told me that, you know, their parents were, you know, oh, you'll figure it out, you know, It'll come to you. You got to try a bunch of things. You got to find out who you are. You got to find who you are instead of, you know, the father taking that leadership role and being like, hey, this is who you ought to be. And using the Bible and using uh, the word of God and and a relationship with Jesus Christ as that foundation for identity and uh, to start a child off with just the foundation of love, knowing that, hey, you are my beloved child. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. And you are also you are also a beloved child of God, of the creator of the universe. And you are unique. You are like a snowflake. And that's so funny because um I know that there's like a, you know, you call like liberal people snowflakes or whatever, because of whatever reason I used to be so into politics, but now I really couldn't care less. You know, now that, uh, I claim Christ and I'm a member of the kingdom of God, like I, I could really care. I couldn't care less, you know, about politics. Um, of course I do have my politics, but I just don't participate in political, um, 
I don't per- I don't watch the news essentially. I, I just kind of keep an eye out on things that uh, might pertain to us in a local sense, but realistically, there's nothing else that's relevant to me or my family. Um, after just like kind of the your immediate area, you know, within about an hour or two of you is pretty much all that I could really be troubled with. So especially after the pandemic, I went down some really really deep rabbit holes. So. Let's um let's transition here into my testimony, my story, who I am. Um, again, my name is Heston Swallow. I'm 30. I'll be 31 in November of this year. Uh, I was born in 1992, and I was born in Hinsdale, Illinois, which is a suburb, a really wealthy suburb outside of the city of Chicago. And in this podcast, uh, to who to who is to, I'm sorry to whoever is listening, I'm going to be totally honest and transparent with you about who I am where I come from, uh, my story, um, because there's really no point in trying to lie about it. And in this day and age, lying about anything is, uh, you know, not owning who you are entirely is what could lead you to, um, well, just lying in general is horrible. It's a sin, of course. And so trying to mislead people is sinful and wrong. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to try to make my life sound worse than it was. Um, I'm also going to not make, try to make it sound better than it was because everyone is entitled to their, uh, to their experience. So born in Hinsdale, Illinois, uh, grew up in Naperville, which is a suburb that is a little further West than Hinsdale. It's about like 30 minutes West of Hinsdale, probably about 50 minutes West of Chicago and, uh, born my, my parents were great parents, you know, and they provided a life that a lot of people would kill for. You know, my dad was a successful businessman. My mom was home full time. And, you know, there was definitely some hardship, you know, with my dad was traveling around the world trying to, you know, bring as much home as he possibly could. And, you know, there is a level to which there's an appreciation, but there's also some hurt there for sure. Or there at least used to be until I spent, you know, the past couple of years really digging deep into um, just that hurt, my hurt, right? And and moving on from it, digesting it finally, getting it passed through the funnel or the getting it passed through the pipe of clogged emotions and just, you know, working through that. So I have a I have an older sister, I have a younger brother, so I'm the middle child. Uh, grew up in Naperville. I was not a great student. Um, I was addicted to video games at a very early age. That's all I really cared to do. And I was bullied, you know, a lot in, in elementary school junior high and then and then high school and so that was kind of you know I'm, I'm pretty sure that many people could relate to that kind of upbringing right you know my parents are still married um and they have they have a relationship it's not what i had imagined for myself uh personally but they are still married and you know what i can i do tell i can sorry i can tell that they very much enjoy each other, which is nice. And they've been together for a long time, like I think like 30 something years, 35 years, something along those lines. So yeah, great, great. You know, at least they are in a committed marriage. That's something to definitely aspire to and to, uh, cause I'm sure they've had their fights that I have no idea about. I'm sure they've had their disagreements, but you know, they're still married, you know, 30 something years later. So definitely something a child can look at and, and admire for sure. Um, but we grew up in a, you know, I would say holiday Catholic, which is, you know, Easter and Christmas. And we kind of only really did that because my extended family would go out to eat afterwards and they would go to church first. And it was just 
I would imagine from my parents' point of view, probably just a way for them to get the families together. <laughs> it, we didn't really talk about God or Jesus in our house ever. Um, my parents always told me that it was a completely personal thing and that talking about it was annoying. Um, at least that's what they said implicitly because we never had explicit conversations. And uh, that definitely created a sense of just aimlessness, I think, in me feeling like in those moments where I was being bullied or in conflict with my, with my family, um, because there were, there were some pretty hard times in high school. I'll be honest. Um, it's just like everyone has, of course, but my, my hard times were my hard times. And, uh, I, I just never felt like there was a greater love than the parent, like the love that my parents had for me. And sometimes I felt like, um, like there wasn't any love coming from them. So, uh, I like I have a great relationship with my siblings, but they're not responsible for loving me like my parents were, if that makes sense. So we uh, so, yeah, we're in high school. Things are hard. You know, relationships are strained with the parents. I'm getting tattoos. I'm playing in bands, maybe not hanging around with the the maybe not hanging around with people that are the best influences on me. And uh, I was very much a people pleaser, especially after being bullied for so long. Um, you know, you definitely just want to make friends at all costs and you want people to like you. And so you kind of become a social chameleon. You take on the personalities of the people around you so that they like you. Um, but then, you know, you kind of start to feel empty at the end of the day and you aren't really sure who you are because you have no core identity. And, you know, as I can attest to this now, you know, that identity, that core identity comes from Jesus Christ. It does not come from, uh, you know, it's it, your parents can facilitate that through Christ. If they have, they, if they themselves have a relationship with Christ, it becomes so much easier for a child to know that they are loved, that they are valuable and that they have an identity in God and that God has made them exactly who they were supposed to be. And there is no there's no confusion about it. God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of revelation. He's a God of communication, presence, integrity, and he, he can never sin against you. That's like the beauty of a understanding who God is, is he is sinless and he hates sin and he wants to purify this world of sin, the world that he created. And that's why nature is so beautiful. And that's why I feel like what people produce, there's a lot of things that people produce that are beautiful, right? But there are also a lot of things that people produce that are quite ugly and kind of mar the, the natural beauty that like comes and was orchestrated from the hands of God. So going back to what I was saying <laughs> in high school, it was rough. And so then once I, you know, got to college the summer in between college uh in between high school and college uh, my grandmother passed away and that was kind of the first real loss that i had ever felt you know um i had grown close to her in that summer uh between 2011 and 2012 we had grown really close and it was definitely challenging uh when she passed away uh, because i was her pseudo caretaker. So I worked for my dad and part of what my responsibilities were as the maintenance employee at the company that I, I worked for, which was my dad's business. Um, I would pick up my grandmother's, uh, we called her Nana. I picked up Nana's caretaker, you know, her, her helper, uh, because she was bedridden at this point. She had cancer and, um, lung disease and all like all she was just, don't smoke guys. <laughs> just don't smoke. It's not good for you or anybody. So, um, 
would pick up the caretaker and drive her, you know, 45 minutes to my grandmother's house. And then I would kind of just sit there and watch Wheel of Fortune with her and keep her company for a little while until I headed uh, into the uh, manufacturing plant where I would do landscaping and maintenance cleanup and um, bathroom cleanup and all sorts of stuff like that. So, um, so when she passed away, it was very challenging for me just because I had really grown close to this person and, you know, no one really had prepared us for this. You know, no one had really told us that grandma was not doing that well. And even after her passing, it was a very siloed grief. Um, no one really talked about it because she had a very strained relationship with my mom. And so I know that there was just mixed emotions all over the place. So no one really talked about grandma dying at home. Um, there wasn't a lot of consolation. Wasn't really a lot of togetherness around this, you know, loss. Um, and without having that, faith foundation. And the funny thing is, is that I was confirmed. I was a confirmed Catholic. I went through CCD, which is, I'm sure it's like religious education, CCD. They called it in my town or at least at my church, uh, St. Margaret Mary's in Naperville. Um, but like that entire process is your parents need to be ushering Christ into the house for sure. Because if you just go to like a Catholic after school program for an hour or two, and you're like a junior high and high school student, you're kind of just like there to meet girls um, and talk to talk to friends and hang out and talk about, you know, Halo and Counter-Strike and, you know, watching Dragon Ball Z or whatever's on television. You know, it's just one of those. It's just like a social hour for kids that don't really know who God is. They don't really understand what they're learning. Um, because there's no real conversation about it at home. And so you kind of just, it doesn't, if it doesn't feel important to your parents to, for them to bring that in, uh, it's kind of hard to pay attention to. So anyway, um, I was a confirmed Catholic, but after grandma passed away, I, I felt just this really great pain. And I just kind of came to the conclusion that I was alone and that there was really no one looking out for me. And that's kind of when I became an atheist or just agnostic, you know, just believed in nothing or believed that there wasn't a God, just life was, you know, sometimes good, but mostly bad. And it was just painful and hurt. And it was just hurt for the sake of, and that we're all just like this primordial sludge that grew from, you know, clumped, single cell organisms into, you know, to monkeys, to man, to men. It's just very disorganized and chaotic, you know, uh, humanity is when you zoom out and kind of look at the Darwinian, you know, create, uh, not creationist, I'm sorry, evolutionary worldview. It's just very messy and, um, chaotic and disordered. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me anymore since I have this, you know, new worldview that I'm so, um, ingrained and in love with, um, so yeah, I became an atheist and I was an atheist through college and about four to five years after college. So I, I usually call it just like my decade of atheism where I just kind of lived however I wanted. I dated girls in college. I, you know, drank, you know, smoked weed. I was just like a pretty standard, ordinary college person. And uh, I really just like didn't have any sort of moral compass because I was just all about moral relativism and it's like, Oh, you know, if this feels good to me, then that means it's right. And, uh, you know, as we know now, uh, as rational Christians, uh, if you're not a rational Christian or you're not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, um, I have no judgment towards you at all. 
Uh, this is just a little segue. I have no judgment towards you at all. My hope is that listening to these episodes might help spell out some very common pitfalls that people fall into when they experience the pain of life, honestly, and they then conclude that God cannot exist because there's pain. Um, and so that that's essentially what kind of what this podcast is, is it's me talking through my testimony and, uh, you know, delivering some of the lessons that I've learned in the, I would probably say five years, you know, four or five years I've been a Christian. The past two or three have been very intense. A lot of scripture, a lot of brotherhood, a lot of sharpening of the iron with other people that also believe. And it's been incredibly transformative for me. So that's, that's essentially what this podcast is about. And I know I kind of just segued out of college for a second, but that's what this podcast is about is it's just me speaking about my experience and hopefully, like hopefully distilling some of these lessons that I've learned. And I've so much to learn still. That's the beauty of life, right? Is that there's still so much to learn and you can learn up until the day you die. You know, when you're on your deathbed and you're thinking about all your life and you can learn lessons in those moments, you know, that's, and that's the beauty. You know, if, if anyone ever says they have it figured out, it's a total lie because <laughs> like up until the second you die, you are still learning. So Anyway, back to college. Sorry for that segue, but I just want you to know if you're not a believer um, and you're interested or you're not interested, I just want you to know that I believe that Jesus Christ loves you and wants to have a relationship with you and that God, the Christian God is the God of the universe and that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And that is what allows us to be any bit good essentially. And I'm totally going to go into that in other episodes, but just for the sake of brevity and keeping things on topic, this episode is going to just remain about my testimony and me and my experience. So, um, yep. College atheist, moral relativism, having sex, drinking, you know, alcohol to excess, consuming marijuana. I'm super focused on my physique in the gym, trying to look as good as possible so that more girls will like me, um, lying to girls, you know, cheating on girls, um, just being a pretty, just basically horrible person. And with the moral relativism line of thought, it's like, well, this feels good to me. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. So therefore I'm not wrong. I'm right. And I'm actually going to continue doing this because I'm getting positive reinforcement because it feels good. Right. So after college, um, that starts to slowly go away uh, because you're out of just, you know, this pressure cooker of hormones and, you know, alcohol and drugs, you know, impaired judgment, so on and so forth. Um, so I meet my wife, my senior year of college, and she is th the best person I've ever met in my life. A hundred percent graceful, a hundred percent beautiful, intelligent, fun smart just like and which is the same thing as intelligence so clearly she she might have more brain power than i do at this present moment um but man just what, what i'm so blessed that this person ended up becoming my wife and the mother of my children because the way that i was living it could have been anybody and that's not to disparage any of the people that i was i was with um, but that's just to say that she had was definitely fundamental in me becoming the man i am today and and i without uh, with like a, with a hundred percent certainty i am the best possible man i am because of my wife being who like her being who she is um, like a million percent so my wife and i meet senior year of college and we start seeing each other and i'm dragging her into sin she has a very strong you know christian background i'm dragging her into sin she wants to be with me she has strong feelings for me and i'm just like treating her like garbage essentially and i don't see anything wrong with it because moral relativism feels good for me and uh 
there was a one conversation we had where she, she sat me down and, and she was crying and she said, you, you don't know that you're like breaking my heart. And for whatever reason, <laughs> out of all of the conversations I've had with girls where they told me that it was her that planted the seed in me. That's like, okay, I'm, I'm not a good person. This is not good. Objectively, this is horrible. And so that was kind of where I believe my sanctification began, honestly, was that conversation. It's like, you are not good at all. This is not good at all. You are hurting me. And it was it like to when I think about it now, it like it's like a knife goes through my back. It's like, oh, my gosh, because now I'm like, oh, I could I could never imagine treating this person or any person in such a way, you know, using them like this. Holy smokes, man. It was eye-opening and heart-opening absolutely and uh, that's not to say i changed completely because sanctification is a process but slowly but surely after college i moved uh back to hinsdale where my parents was living where my parents were living excuse me where my parents were living and moved back to hinsdale started working for my dad and my sinful behavior slowly but surely started to kind of die off and, and that's not to say I'm sinless now, definitely not the case, but those major, you know, sexual um, behaviors, those compulsive sexual behaviors started to die over time for sure. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I, I, you know, my, my wife and I, we didn't stay together. Uh, we, you know, were on and off. We would see, you know, other people in the times that we were off, but then we would come back to each other off and go back to each other. And, you know, November 4th of 2018, because we did that until about 2018, on and off again, um, seeing each other every couple months and then you know seeing other people every couple months because I lived in Illinois, she lived in Wisconsin, long distance, whatever. It was only an hour away. I was just lazy and I was not a good person. So essentially, November 4th, 2018 comes around. I'm just horribly depressed. I'm blowing out my birthday candles. It, it's so funny because it sounds like a Hallmark movie, but it really was like this blowing out my birthday candles. I'm saying a prayer. I'm saying, God, please, I cannot live like this anymore. And I had not prayed. And like I said, in that decade of atheism. So I was 27. I was 26 or 27 when I prayed that prayer. And I was about 17 when I thought I became, when I kind of glommed onto atheism as like my worldview. And I prayed to God. I was like, God, please, I cannot live like this anymore. I am so empty and sad. And I have all these people, you know, standing around me, cheering for me, blowing out my birthday candles. I'm like, but I feel so alone in this world and I do not feel loved by anybody. And I said, please do something because I need something to live for, essentially. And uh, about five weeks later, six weeks later, um, January 14th, 2019 to be exact. So however many weeks that is, I'm not very good at math. Um, my, uh, my wife who at the time was my girlfriend and we had kind of started to string together some months of dating. Um, she sent me a, a screenshot or not a screenshot, a, a picture text, uh, with two pregnancy tests. And, uh, she said, Heston, I, you know, I'm pregnant like this, like we're like, we're pregnant. You are having like, we're having a baby. And I knew then and there that that was God answering my prayer. He, he, 
I was so empty and so sad. And I come from a wealthy family. I come from a, like a very well-off family. You would think that all the you know money in the world, Xboxes, nice cars, big houses, you th- you'd think that all of this would, would do anything to fill a person's heart. It does not at all. But you know what started to was the idea of me having a family and having a child and having a wife. And it was, it was in that moment, I, I got that picture text. I called her up and I said, we're doing this. I said, we are doing this. I am with you forever now. Like I was like, I am with you until the end now. And whether, whether you ch- choose to be with me or not, like that is your choice, but I, I am going to, this is my shot. This is my opportunity to, to redeem myself. And I just embraced it fully. And that I made, I have made, you know, over the past four years, our daughter will be four in August of this year. So almost four years, I've made mistakes. I've, I've sinned. I've wronged my wife. We have not had a good relationship because those behaviors, right? Those, those things in the past, like they don't go away if you don't address them in the heart. They don't go away if you don't talk about it and, and, and address it and, and then move on, right? You don't dwell on it forever, but you go back and you're like, why was I like this? Oh, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. Like I'm trying to soothe myself, protect myself. Right. And so that is, that is the like long and short version version of my testimony is that I was at as a 26 year old, like so many men suicide, by the way, kind of a off topic, but on topic still suicide is the number one cause of death, but for men between 18 and 45. So I'm, I was in good company with all those men as a 26 year old being like, I have a job, I'm making money. I've had my parents have more money than I could ever like, hope to have. All of my needs are taken care of. Like I should have an amazing life, but I feel dead on the inside because my soul is dead. I am dead in my sin. And I had been living that way for over 10 years or about 10 years, at least 10 years, maybe 12 um, I could sit down and do the math, but it doesn't really matter because I was just so convinced that God wasn't real and that I could just do whatever I wanted. And there was, you know, the only consequence in life was death. And that as long as I didn't die or going to jail, I guess, but like, as long as I didn't do anything illegal, um, there was no real consequences, right? Like I could kind of take on whatever. And I was just in so much pain and hurt that I was just emotionally constipated, <laughs> which is like the best way to put that. So, um, I am 30 now. We have two children. Our marriage is better than it's ever been. Um, I attribute that to, excuse me. I attribute that to meeting in this past, past seven months of my life, meeting some of the best, most godly men, the most admirable men, the most manly men, masculine men in my life. Um, I think that as time goes on, you know, men should be looking for mentors, elders to take them under their wing, to guide them in the, the ways of God, to guide them in the ways of holiness and to shepherd them into the kingdom. Like I'm trying to shepherd my family into the kingdom. And man, it was just, um, this year has been absolutely amazing for our marriage. And we decided that we were ready to have a third child. And here we are. So man, from, I was just, I was 26 years old and maybe it's like, man, maybe I was so spoiled, right? Like you're spoiled dopamine depleted rat, just looking for sugar water because you're just brain dead basically from all of the excess I've had in my life. It's, but I just, in my soul, I was like, I am dying. I cannot live another year without, with living the way that I had been living for sure. My soul was rotting and I felt that inside of me. And 
praise God that he gave me, he, I begged him for something and he gave me a wife and children. And it's like, wow, that like, it gives me chills when I talk about it because it's, it's so surreal to me that that happened, but it did. It's in, we, we used contraception. I like, we used contraception, contra, <laughs> Sean Connery. We used contraception. I was protected. My wife was protected. And yet we still had a child together. Is that, that is what blows my mind. People are telling me like, well, you're having unprotected sex. No, we weren't. No, we didn't. And here we are. So God, like, and I, that's like the thing, uh, Jonathan Rios, I just listened to him speak with uh, Renaissance of Men on a podcast yesterday. I don't put limits on God because God can do anything. Look around us. He made trees. He made the ocean. Like he made elephants. Like he can, he can do whatever he wants. So if I'm begging him for, for something in my life and he knows that it's going to be good for me, because like I said, God cannot sin against you. If he knows that this is going to be good for me and it's good for my soul and it's good for the kingdom, it's like he snaps his fingers and my wife is, is pregnant with my child. I could probably not even have sex with her and that would still happen. Like that's like, that's, that's the beautiful thing about God is he will not be limited by our small brains. He is God, the creator of the universe, the creator, the creator of this earth and nature and biology and chemistry and everything is his God bless. It's amazing to think about. And my wife just texted me. I miss my husband already. She just took our daughter over to cook uh, at my in-laws house 20 minutes ago. This is the same person that I was hurting horribly and and just the amount of forgiveness and grace that she has shown me in my life. Like God, God is so good because he does that to us every single day. Oh man. So 30 minutes, 30 minutes of me talking about my life, my story. This is the first episode. I promise it's not going to be all about me. We're going to get into some lessons. We're going to get into some verses, some scripture. We're going to have some guests on. And we're going to do this podcast is going to be fantastic. It's going to be so good for my soul. I apologize if I cursed. That is also something I'm still working on. I have a little bit of a foul mouth still, and it's not good. I don't like it. Um, and it's something that I'm working on. It's something that I'm praying on. There are some things that God will just rip away from you and kill. Like, like I used to be, you know, I used to watch porn very frequently, you know, multiple times a week. And he, as soon as I came to Christ. And as soon as I began my sanctification, that was something he just ripped away from me and just crushed. And he said, you are done with this. You are done with this sexual sin. And it's been like, it went away in an instant. I woke up one morning and it was gone, but my foul mouth is something I'm still working on. And we know as Christians that the, the power of the tongue has the power of life and death. And that is very important. So I'm still struggling in my sin please pray for me. My name's Heston. Please pray for me at night when you are doing your nightly prayers. And, um, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, with this episode is that that's kind of my testimony about half an hour worth of testimony. I'm sure I missed, you know, small details and stuff like that, but you know, I, I grew up a wealthy kid. I had everything a child could ever want. Um, and I had great parents, you know, they gave us everything they, they could have. Um, being who they were and knowing what they knew, uh, but they didn't deliver Jesus Christ to me. 
and uh, they didn't show me the way to him and it, I paid for it. You know, I felt it very deeply in my soul. I was missing him and it wasn't until I begged him for something in my life after 10 years of swearing he wasn't real, swearing God wasn't real. He gave me a wife and children and he restored my life and he restored my soul. And I now profess his name to anyone who's willing to listen. So guys and ladies, please, J Jesus Christ is God. He is worth following. He's worth listening to. He's worth having a relationship with. He is worth and worthy of your obedience. And the world would be a much better place if everyone loved him as much as he loved them. So there you have it. 32 minutes. I hope this was impactful for you. I hope that you learned a little bit about me. My name is Heston Swallow. Again, I'm 30. I live in Wisconsin now with my wife and my two children, our puppy. And we have a third on the way. And I profess the name of Jesus Christ to anyone who's willing to listen. That's the end of this podcast episode. So if you want to connect with me, my Instagram is Heston Swallow. No spaces. It's just Heston, H-E-S-T-O-N-S-W-A-L-L-O-W. That is the only place I have social media is Instagram. And, uh, you know, next episode, I will come to you with a lesson. So I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be, but I will uh, make sure to include the, I'll make sure to include the what what the lesson is going to be what i've learned something that i i can i'm going to sit down and distill some information i'll think about it and pray on it but uh, i'm going to deliver a lesson uh something that i've learned personally over the past five years of my life being a christian and having a family and being a husband and a father so uh, god bless you all in the name of jesus christ may he find you and may you find him and he will meet you where you are if you are truly open if you are truly open to finding him and seeking him and learning about him and loving him and obeying him, he will find you and he will pull you out of the muck and give you new life. This is Heston Swallow, and this is The Call to Virtue.